Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think it deserves serious consideration. I think we need to look at the gamut of options that are out there for us. We need to calculate the risk and be smart about it. I think you have to, at that point, consider uh, a no-fly zone. I think is a pretty logical next step, but I'll give you a halfway house. Mm -hmm. That would be going back to the idea of getting fighters in the hands of the Ukrainians. And I get all the puts and takes of that. So you want Ukraine to do the no-fly zone? They would basically be the ones to do it, not exactly. NATO. Is that, is that the goal in this, in it this is. case? So that's Admiral James Stravidis, uh, who was on also with a former ambassador. And they both were for a no-fly zone. And the Admiral's take, I saw him on MSNBC today. He said, my take from looking at the talk shows over the weekend and uh, statements out of the White House is that everything is now on the table. So as I was saying last week, I feel like at least the... The, the mood, the, the weight of the conversation is moving toward a no-fly zone. Now, Mike Lyons did tweet out yesterday it would invite even a small nuclear response, possibly on the homeland from Russia, which is a big deal. Hello. Well, speaking of Mike Lyons, military analyst Mike Lyons, a West Point graduate, served with various American military organizations, both on the home front and in Europe and in uh, Iraq, through his career, joins us now. Mike Lyons, how are you, sir? Good morning, guys. It's to me, amazing to me. If, I know I don't want to go against the four-star general, obviously, but the four-star making that kind of comment is almost irresponsible in terms of what all the nuance that has to go in. Did he kind of then say, oh, it's because the Ukrainians are going to do the no-fly zone? Do you think they would do that now if they could? 29 MiG airplanes are not changing the calculus on that. I'm just surprised that uh, we're, that's being floated politically still on any level here. That is completely off the table, unless we want to risk having an attack on our homeland or attack in a European city or something, because that's really what it would lead to. Well, so I was a little concerned over the weekend, um, modern journalism being what it is in the 24-hour news cycle and everything like that. Are, is this a bad idea that we're nailing so many things down um, and maybe all this talk of the no-fly zone is just to have it out there so Putin thinks it, it's possibly on the table because this constantly taking everything, a bunch of things off the table to satisfy Chuck Todd and meet the press or whoever, I'm yeah. not sure that's doing us any good. Right, and, and that's, there's an argument to that, but I don't think he is of that ilk. He has his own agenda and doesn't necessarily look at what's, he sees what's done and not what we're doing as opposed to what we're not doing. I, I understand how that you could uh, be swayed by that, but that's not the kind of enemy we're dealing with. That, that's, again, we're projecting our values on our own way and trying to psychoanalyze our behavior. You're right. The Biden administration is putting all these things that are out there that we're not doing. But, but the bottom line is we aren't doing them. We're not going to do them. And it, so, so it's fine. And, and in some ways he knows that. that he, Vladimir Putin does control the, this whole thing because he's the one who invaded. When I hear Mitt Romney say things like, we've got to you know, turn the tide on him and we've got to get back in control. No, 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 no. There's no us controlling. This is his war. This is this regional conflict that exists there. You want to insert yourself in it? You want to go to war with a nuclear power? Then, then let's have that conversation and see where that leads us to. So, again, th- this is not about trying to gain some kind of upper hand with him. We're not in this conflict. We really aren't, other than supporting Ukraine like we are, pouring ammunition in, pouring supplies in. That's really all we can do. And you, your tweet was, so you think Putin would actually strike the United States with a nuclear weapon? 
I think it's possible. I, I think that we have to consider it. I mean, and it's not it, its not going to be something that's going to come from the Ural Mountains. It's going to travel across space. You know, we're going to have time to think about it. He's going to take a submarine. He's going to get it close to he's going to get it close to our shores. He's going to launch a, a weapon. He's going to launch something that could hit our uh, our homeland. I don't see I don't see if if we decide to put in a no fly zone and take a Patriot missile and fire it from Poland, fire it from a NATO country, and it chases down a MiG, Soviet MiG plane over Russia and, and kills a Russian pilot over Russia, I don't see how he's not responding. I don't see, I don't see what, he's, what he's got to respond. I don't Holy see crap, this is a conversation. Well, yeah, indeed it is. And, and, you know, Mike, these are extremely difficult questions, and only hindsight is twenty twenty in these matters. Right. But uh, right. if if we are to preclude to eliminate any action that might provoke putin to do the things you've said well that Mm -hmm. brings a conversation all right what if there is an accidental strike in poland what if he uh you know yeah there are there are a number of what ifs at some point i think we need to be willing to do things that might provoke a horrific cataclysmic reaction or we're paralyzed I'm not sure where that is or what that is. I think he has to do that first. So, for example, what happened over the weekend, the interdiction strike deep in western Ukraine, that was a huge risk for them because they had to do that with pilots. They don't have cruise missiles that have enough accuracy, believe it or not, that can hit a target that could be 16 miles within a Polish border, within a NATO border. So so he put men at risk in order to do that mission. Why? He knew it was important. I'm surprised he didn't do, did it before. But he knew that he couldn't make a mistake on it either. He knew he couldn't just fire a bunch of cruise missiles at it and, and have them possibly miss and strike Poland because then – then possibly then we could respond and do something. Because because if we enter this battle conventionally, if we decide to come in and we, we have A-10s lined up someplace and B, B-52s, that convoy, for example, that 40-mile convoy, is done in four hours. I mean, it's molten r- rubbish in four hours. The, the balance of power gets tipped so quickly back on the side of Ukraine that the, the, the level of embarrassment that Vladimir Putin suffers is amazing. So, so again, he's cognizant of the fact that he doesn't want to bring us in. The red line, everyone talks about the red line. The red line is the border. That's the bottom line. There's no chemicals. There's no nuclear. The red line is the Ukraine border. As long as that's not violated, there's not much we can do, I think, at least offensively in order to stop them. And then, of course, if we are, uh, for instance, we take out that convoy and he gets that on the news in Russia, then all of a sudden the public opinion swings toward him as he gets to say he's at war with the the evil United States. Right. So the 140 million people right now who are confused about what's going on are no longer confused because now NATO has attacked Russia, attacked the motherland. They start the music up. They start all those old videos up about the Great War. Here we go. And at the end of the day, Russia has capacity. They, they do have uh, things that they can do. They have those nuclear weapons. They have, they have a lot of different capacity. Now, their military has failed miserably. No question about it. The fact that they, you know, Ukraine is not even close to being a peer competitor with them, but the fact that they've have had this standoff for now, which is every day that goes by, Ukraine actually gets stronger. Standoff gets more. I, I'm now going to start to be worried about, you know, the 2,500 Stinger missiles that are inside there. Uh, let's hope they don't find their way back to shores. We'll hopefully have some accountability about those because those weapons can find their way outside of Ukraine into the hands of other people. So there is a downside also of putting a lot of this material into the Ukraine military and making sure that they use it. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, I know you're a student not only of military strategy, but society, too. It is going to be difficult to contain the passions of the Western world when the videos start to emerge from, say, Mariupol or uh, or, or Kiev when it finally falls of literally starving children. 
and and yeah. scenes of, of horror and carnage and and boy right. man or you maybe factor that or in. maybe Zelensky on his knees somewhere. No, I, again, and we need to get him out of there. He's got to survive this. I, I still think that the Israeli prime minister, when he went there a few weeks ago, I think he whispered in his ear, he said, look, it's not going to be a good look if you assassinate a Jewish head of state. We're not going to look uh, fondly upon that. Um, and we need to get the Chinese in the game. I know, I think we're meeting with them this afternoon in Rome. But basically sell them, you better get your tech dog on a leash here and you better figure this out because we're going to start sanctioning you. We've got to get tougher. We have to show power in places like that about with the Chinese and other influences Russia can. I mean, Russia asking the Chinese for military and logistical supplies, is that a serious request? And the Chinese are actually going to consider it? So, so again, that's, they're not even a superpower anymore if that, if that is the case. So that's where this is going to. If we're going to be in on this, so does the Chinese, and the Chinese need to get the Russians on the leash pretty quick. So I was watching David Martin on CBS News yesterday. He said uh, Russia in the next couple of weeks is going to have to resupply either people or equipment or something. I mean, because they mm-hmm. didn't expect this to last that long. Does that sound right. accurate to you? Yeah, th- there's no second echelon here. Normally, r- Russian doctrine deploys in multiple waves, um, and they have w- different groups that come on and kind of pass through. And, and they, but this wasn't the, the plan here. This was a special operations group. So, for example, they're eventually they're running out of ammo. They're running out of artillery in these cities, and and that, those were those uh, the ammo that's on those convoys, and that's a lot of things that are in there. They're all running out, so th- they can't even feed their soldiers. Every day, you see these stories of the Russian tanks being blown up and the farmers taking them and they're abandoning their troops. It, it is it, it is mind-boggling to me that they haven't thought any of this through. So, again, and the, the Ukrainians live to survive one day at a time right now. If, if they can, can continue to take the pounding and they fight this to a standstill, they, they end up winning. That's exactly where I was going to go. Say uh, the major cities fall and uh, Zelensky either heads out of town or is killed or what have you. What does the Russian occupation of Ukraine look like in terms of numbers of forces, the cost, etc.? Yeah, not very long. You thought Afghanistan was bad and you thought some of those other things were bad. I, and again, given the fact that the, they won't be able to secure the border, that the, 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 the guerrilla mass would mean... Let's say 20 million men remaining in Ukraine because, you know, the women are out and children are out. A lot of people are out, let's say. So, so the, the, the guerrilla math is anywhere from one to two million soldiers that the Russians would need inside, inside of Ukraine only in order to try to pacify that. Not, they, don't have the, they don't have those kind of resources. So, so again, the, there will be entire groups formed in the western part of Ukraine that will come in and launch massive attacks on Russian soldiers. You know, there won't be a, a Russian officer safe in any city in, in Ukraine. For, they won't have a cup of tea thinking they'll be uh, poisoned. They won't be able to turn a light switch on thinking they're going to get blown up. They won't be able to turn the ignition on a car thinking it's not going to get blown up. That's the kind of level of insurgency that's going to take place because the whole world's going to help with them, help with them too as well. Yeah, I was going to mention that. So I saw a report last night on how there are soldiers coming in from all over the world, Americans, Canadians, Australians, Brits, that have fought in wars, they're, they're you know seasoned soldiers that are going to Ukraine to fight. Are we going to be able to continue to get weapons into their hands throughout this? Yeah, so, so again, they're going to try to interdict those supply convoys. I think they're going to enter the border with them in hand, but they're eventually going to need to be resupplied as well. I, I'm not necessarily a fan of that because we see that the Russians are bringing in Syrians, and, and whether or not that's also a story we, remains to be seen. The fact that Syrian fighters are going to come and, and help this again. Good luck bringing those guys into that country and not being identified as Syrian fighters and how the people will react to that as well. Um, so this is just becoming 
becoming a mess, and it's because the Russians just are unable on any level to control it, and it's gotten it gets more out of hand for them every day, and it's and it's completely outside of their the kind of space that they thought they were going to be in this. Now they thought, but at this point, this would be over and done, controlled, and they'd be on to the next thing, uh, and they're now you know completely in, in a situation where I, I don't I don't see the off ramp for them right now. Great analysis, Mike Lyons. We can't uh, properly express our appreciation. Great stuff. Thank you. Great guys, that's for me. Yep, absolutely. I absolutely love how Mike does not give a single crap about being in the mainstream or going with anybody's flow or anything. He just calls it as he sees it. We got to discuss some of that. Holy cow, I never thought we'd have a conversation like that. Text us 415-295-KFTC. So if you just joined us, we just talked to Mike Lyons, who's a military analyst, a dude that we like, and he shows up on CNN and CBS and all kinds of shows all the time. And uh, he's not the only opinion out there. I mean, there are plenty of military people over the weekend and certainly plenty of politicians and journalists arguing for a no-fly zone. Mm-hmm. that the United States would definitely be involved with. NATO would be involved with. We are the main thing with NATO. And Mike Lyons believes that quite possibly leads to a strike on the United States from a Russian nuke. I can't believe we're actually having this conversation in serious tones with serious people who aren't freaking kidding. No, Vlad Putin wants very much for us to be having this conversation. It's uh, perhaps his uh, most powerful weapon. I don't mean nukes uh, literally, but the threat of nukes. And I don't I don't want to be a faux tough guy talk show host at all. Mhm. But I do I I do in general feel like we've spent way too much time taking things off the table and explaining to Russia all the things we won't do. Now, Mike Lyons, who has way more experience with the reality of these sorts of things, says, well, that's just the way it works. He's the aggressor. He, he, he started this unnecessary war. He's calling the shots. That's just the way it works. Yeah, I think to fill in the rest of what Mike would say is that, yes, this is outrageous and it's horrible and Putin deserves severe punishment. That punishment will come over the, well, it'll come in Ukraine as we continue to arm the hell out of the Ukrainians. Um, and that is going to be an enormous cost. It will continue through economic sanctions, which will be utterly crippling of Russia. Uh, Putin's career as a, uh, a a world leader of any significance is over. It's over. And and I have a feeling Mike would say what we want to do emotionally is go in there and smash the hell out of the Russian troops. We're not going to get that satisfaction. There's too much risk in it. We slowly but surely grind them down and punish them for what they've done. Yes, that's going to lead to the deaths of tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian civilians, including children. But I'm afraid there's nothing we can do about it. Do you think that's a fair summary of that point of view? Yeah, I'm not certain I agree with it, but I think that is his point of view. Um mm-hmm. I, I I wish they would find a way to word things differently so it's not 
so clear cut. We won't do this. We won't do that. We won't do this. No matter what you do, just want you to know. You know, I, I, who who wrote that piece that I read? Um, making the the opposite point of view, they said, "Look, you you make it clear we are going to arm the Ukrainians. We are going to pour arms in there. We're going to help them any way we can. We're going to sanction the crap out of you, but we're not going to do X, Y, and Z. So there's going to be no crazy escalation." We know what you're doing. You know what we're doing, more or less. Now, let's not have a world war. That almost has to be their thinking. It almost has to be. Yeah. Nothing, else would ex- no one, nothing else would explain them. I mean, Jake Sullivan, when he was on the shows yesterday, he must have said it three times per interview. We just want to make it clear one more time. There is no way the United States is getting involved. I mean, he just like that, that has to be their strategy. Um, I hope it works, man. These are some high-level decisions, and history is full of this. When it works, you're seen as a strategic genius. When it doesn't work, you're seen as, you know, the way Neville Chamberlain is seen in the face of Hitler. Sure, sure, absolutely. And I also suspect very strongly that they suspect very strongly if America's involvement is too overt, that Russian public opinion will uh, turn on a dime, as you indicated. Uh And that could be a potent well if it doesn't turn if it continues to be pretty negative especially among younger and better educated people that's a potent weapon against putin in itself and we don't want to mess with it no the wind's blowing toward a no-fly zone right now i think armstrong and getty The Armstrong and Getty Show. We have an issue. Both teams are wearing white. Partner, I've been doing, I've been around the NBA now for 25 years. And I don't think I've ever seen both teams come out with their home uniforms on. And James Williams, the crew chief, has a look of incredulity on his face. What do we do about this? They got to run back and change real quick. That's what has to happen. And the Grizzlies are going to have to change. The Grizzlies have to go put on their blue uniforms. That's some pretty good analysis there. (laughs) Both teams in an NBA (laughs) game. I assume this was like low-level college or something where both teams came out in white. But an actual NBA game. You know what? One of the teams is going to have to go change their jerseys. I agree with you, Jim. What they ought to do is go back into the locker room and change their clothes so they're not wearing white anymore. Boy, that was Kamala Harris-esque analysis there. I mean, he's right, certainly, but... Speaking of basketball, your four number one seeds for the NCAA tournament are out. Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor. Roughly the same four teams every single year, it seems like. Um, uh, And one other sports note. Of course, you'd have your, your bracket... March Madness fun at work if people still came into work the workplace, but I guess they don't do that many places. Um, in the NBA, I just saw Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn NBA team saying uh, he must be up against the vaccine thing because remember he missed a bunch of games because he didn't get vaccinated and stuff, and he is uh, complaining. He's asking the mayor to change the vaccination rules around covid saying look early on i get it we didn't know what was going on but there's there's enough you know with the covid and we know about the shots stuff like that come on this is silly at this point so that that was kind of interesting yeah indeed well it is at this point very silly yeah speaking of silly uh the tsa following the recommendation of the cdc will extend its mask mandate for airplanes through mid-april 
And I like this piece by Dr. Joel Zinberg in the New York Post. CDC's silly stalling on slight, on uh, flight masks uh, comes as virtually all states and major cities have dropped their indoor mask mandates in response to plunging numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Comes a week after the CDC eased its own mask guidance for, for communities, which overnight reduced recommendations for indoor masking from roughly 95% of the country to 37% of U.S. counties. And the numbers have improved a great deal since they made that move. Hey, airlines, did you see the State of the Union address? You had 500 elderly people in a room for two and a half hours maskless. Did you see that? Average age 80. And they're still all maskless. That's how worried they were about the COVID. And there's more on that story, but first I want to quote uh, Rand Paul. I just came across this, uh, editorially wrote, this year marks the... Your lawn clippings are awful close to my yard. Uh, mind your own business, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this week marks the two-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. I join the American people in mourning lives lost to this virus. I also mourn those we lost to the crushing and overbearing lockdowns and the mandates that were based on junk science. And the toll of COVID doesn't stop there. We lost more than individuals. We lost our freedoms and liberties, our vibrant small-town main streets, our children's growth and learning. For two years, our lives were held captive by petty tyrants and power-hungry bureaucrats. Uh, And then he suggests breaking Dr. Fauci's job into three different jobs. And I'm not sure what good that would do. Uh, You know, I've got to read the rest of it, but... Uh, it's the executives who make the decisions. They get advice from these health gurus, but then, you know, your local governor, your local county health, the Nazi, whatever, they're they're the ones who actually implemented the programs, not Fauci. So I'm not sure I'm buying that reasoning from Rand Paul. But Do the air, anyway. Are the airlines concerned that people wouldn't fly if there were no mask mandates? I think they're wrong. I don't know. Well, this remember this is the uh, the TSA Transportation Security uh, Association Association Administration um, uh, using the CDC's guidance, telling the airlines okay. what well, to so do. Th- so they're just going with the we won't get in trouble for going too far. We sure. could only get in trouble by not going far enough. So right. The status quo is always the safe play if you're a bureaucrat or a lawyer. Uh, so anyway, getting and the reason I interjected the Rand Paul stuff was because we're getting back now to the the airplanes and the flying and the masks and, and stuff. Uh, and the idea that, well, these policies may not make any sense, but you're going to follow them anyway, because a policy that makes sense would be a little more complicated and how we all should have been rejecting that crap all along. For instance, when asked why airports and airlines should maintain mask mandates, even if the cities in which they're located have abandoned them, I mean, think about that. You got no mandate in Chicago, where you're flying out of. You got no mandate in, where am I going? Miami. Where are you going for a little vacay? But the airplane between those places, which is better ventilated than anywhere on Earth, you need the mask on. So asked why, White House Press Secretary Joan, Jen Psaki answered that air travelers aren't static. People traveling from a high COVID zone could arrive at a low COVID-19 area, still posing a transmission risk. And as the Post points it, that sounds like an argument for banning travel rather than just a justification for masks on planes. 
And the rationale in new CDC guidelines for recommending masks in the minority of communities that are classified as, you know, not so great with the COVID would alleviate the strain on medical resources in those communities. But not that it would limit the spread to other communities. Even if the new rating guidelines roughly correlate with transmission risk, that would at most suggest prescribing mask wearing for people on flights originating in cities with higher medium levels of COVID instead of maintaining them for all flights, which is, as noted above, a very small group of communities. Then they get into the uh, incredibly high speed and effective HEPA filtering that takes place on airplanes, and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Doesn't need to make sense. It's about uh, people's worries. We mentioned the New York Times article over the weekend. After two years of pandemic life, turn toward normalcy is a shakeup. The abrupt shift has unsettled the most vigilant Americans. And rather the craziest than, Americans. And rather than having the article about, hey, can you believe this? There are people still so worried about COVID, they can't take their masks off, even when there's no COVID around. Instead of making the argument, uh, the article like that, it was more normalizing that behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The most I found that really troubling. Vigilant's yeah. a nice word. You could also use paranoid, ignorant. A lot of other words you could use other than vigilant. Yeah, I'm, I'm super vigilant against flying monkeys. I patrol my front yard and my backyard every day looking out for flying monkeys. Judy and I wear flying monkey helmets, the rest of it. <laughs> Even though there have been virtually no flying monkey attacks in our area, and because of my age, my health, the rest of it, flying monkeys can't hurt me, but I've still got my flying monkey helmet on. And the New York Times says it's okay to slowly ease into the non-wearing of flying monkey helmets instead of calling people out for being nuts you are wearing garlic around your neck to ward off vampires what is the matter with you on the other hand this is a good effective uh, thing to do against crime word from our friends at simply safe home security voted the best home security of 2021 by u.s news and pc magazine and popular science not unpopular science like dr fauci we're talking popular science, well-loved science how about all these publications taking a look at all the security systems out there and i gotta believe all the other ones they tried are more expensive and they pick simply safe as the best even though that it's less than a dollar a day you set it up yourself in around 30 minutes simple to use it's got those super high-def cameras by the way you'd see the flying monkeys in your backyard if they were coming at night Oh, yeah, and unleash the anti-flying monkey artillery Judy and I have set up at every corner of our home. Uh, Indoor and outdoor cameras, you always know what's going on inside your home. It's less than a buck a day, no long-term contracts. They earn your business every day. That is cool. Customize the perfect system for your home in minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera, plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. President Zelensky is going to address our Congress, the U.S. Congress, virtually on Wednesday. And um, he is going to make a strong plea, I would assume, for the planes or a no-fly zone or both. And I feel like the wind's blowing that direction, so we'll see how politicians react to that. Yeah, the the planes thing in one form or another, I could see. The no-fly zone is not going to happen. I truly believe that. Um. What about what that admiral's think? idea of uh, we uh, we train up the pilots, get them in the planes, and the Ukraine does it themselves, but we provide the planes? 
you know, that's halfway there. I don't know. It's it is an offensive weapon that could reach into Russia. Although I don't think Ukraine's going to do that. Uh, you know, Mike Lyons seemed to suggest it might be a good idea for the Z Man to get out of town to make yeah. sure he can still inspire that's and command. That's yeah, I mean, at one at some point, you know, you leave too early. It's cowardice. But if you stay too late, if you are an important asset, I mean, it's like the quarterback staying in when you're you're down by forty eight points. It's not admirable. It's it's unwise. I don't know. I don't know. He's a great part of the uh, the fighting spirit of that country. Did you see him going into the hospital over the weekend? I did visiting yeah, all the wounded uh, soldiers and people, and get, taking selfies with them, and giving them uh, various accommodations, pinning it on their hospital gown. I mean, that was some cool stuff right there. And if he were to lead from out of town, I, I think the Ukrainians would understand the wisdom of it. But does that tarnish his mystique enough that that it affects the effort? I, I don't know. Well, there's also just the he just might not want to leave. I'm not leaving. This is my country. I'm not freaking going right. anywhere. I hear that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think I still think at this point Putin does himself more harm than good by killing Zelensky. How about I, him? I think Putin's screwed no matter what he does. Yeah, that's true. That is true. There's no. That is the craziest thing about this whole deal. Is we're we're having discussions about possible nuclear war between the United States and Russia. And meanwhile, what's at stake is what? There's no good outcome. Nothing good comes out of this. Well, referring again to our conversation with Mike Lyons, in which he was really advising caution, the only way uh, Putin's pooch gets unscrewed, if you will, is if he can portray I, this battle I, as a struggle against the great uh, American. If you uh, will, I won't. I've, I've never heard that. No, I've I heard thought the, that was rather a nice turn of a phrase myself. I was proud of it. I've heard the expression screwed the pooch, which I don't yes. exactly know the origin <laughs> of that expression well, or what it's it means. certainly a crime. Yeah, certainly in the southern states. If it's not, it ought to be. Um, right. But so he could unscrew the pooch. I'm not sure I'm yes. okay with this. Um, uh, <laughs> by doing what again? I got lost by the, uh, the clever <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> by turning this into a conflict against the evil, evil NATO. Ah, then right. suddenly the popular support, which I believe to be vanishing at home, might turn and might save him. So, and and this is the scary part of the calculus, it could be the only way he saves his regime is by uh, getting into a war with NATO. So that, boy, that is very scary, because that means... He wants to use chemical weapons and force us to attack him. And he can blame the chemical weapons on the Ukrainians for those, all those oldsters who are believing their, their local news there in the middle of nowhere, Russia. He'll say it was Ukrainian forces chemical weapons, um, and they'll believe it. And, and he brings in NATO, and now all of a sudden he can rally everybody around the flag. That's scary. Yeah, it could be the chemical weapons. It could be a missile lands on Polish territory. Uh, you know, Mike Lyons suggested maybe even a tactical nuke here in the United States. God help us. Um, but it's not out of the question that Putin is going to deliberately provoke NATO to save his own bacon at home. Holy crap. You know why 87% of Americans are paying close attention to this story? Because it's one of the most dramatic things that's happened in the last three quarters of a century. That's why. Correct. Holy crap. You can text us anytime at 415-295-KFTC.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. A thief in Colorado broke into a truck and stole a box of human heads. Even more disturbing, it was an Arby's truck. <laughs> oh my God! What is it? I don't know. The Eastern media elite and their hatred of Arby's. I have no idea. It's perverse. Yeah. Speaking speaking of fast food, what what, what was there a box of human heads for at all? Who boxed them? Where are they going? So we all heard that McDonald's is closing down there in Russia, along with 350 other companies, at least temporarily, um, American companies. Russian McDonald's fan chained himself to the eatery in an attempt to prevent closing. He was a very large man. I'll just read the way it's written Tall, you mean? A Russian man was not loving it that McDonald's was about to shutter its stores in the country amid the invasion of Ukraine, so he changed chained himself to one of the eateries in Moscow in a last-ditch attempt to keep it open. That's unfortunate. Closing it down is an act of hostility against me and my fellow citizens, said the fat guy who likes McDonald's. <laughs> in short. Do they have, I'd imagine they have like a customized Russian McDonald's menu with like a yep. borscht burger and yeah. the McFlurry has uh, caviar. I didn't eat anything at uh, one of those places when I was in Russia, but I, I remember the menu was like, it was like I was not at a McDonald's. It was so different. Um, Jesse Smollett update. His brother claims the actor is in the jail psych ward. I would say based on his outburst there in the courtroom as he was being led off to jail about how I'm not suicidal, screaming it over and over. Yeah, I'll bet he's in the psych ward. Yeah, plus it's a good place to keep an eye on him. They need to keep an eye on him. For all kinds of reasons. eh? What a nut job. (laughs) Well, you'd be nuts, too, if you had black, white, supremacist, Nigerian weightlifters and MAGA hats attacking you in the wee hours. Elon Musk, the world's richest man, has challenged Vladimir Putin to a fist fight. Yes. What? (laughs) I hereby challenge Vladimir Putin to single combat, Musk tweeted today. The stakes are Ukraine. The Tesla founder spelled Putin's name in Russian and the country's name in Ukrainian. Musk tagged the official president of Russia Twitter account in a follow-up posting writing, Do you agree to this fight in Russian? (laughs) Do you you agree or not? There's nutty and there's nuts. Do we know which one Elon is? Or is he a little of both? I think he's he's a genius, and so geniuses are always nutty. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, do you suppose he believes Vladimir Putin will respond to that challenge? Does he think there's a chance of it happening? Or is he just being nutty? So, he uh the 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 what is that satellite thing that he that uh, he's got? Starlink. Thank you, Michael. Starlink has been delivered to Ukraine. Now, how easy that is to put up in the sky and actually make work so the Ukrainians have Internet. But the theory is that the world's richest man is going to help keep the Internet open there in Ukraine, which is really cool. Uh, But then he also did this, where he's challenging Putin to a fistfight in single combat. Musk teased his challenge to Putin in a previous Monday morning tweet in which he partially quoted a line from Shakespeare's Macbeth, by pricking of my thumbs... Something wicked this way comes. I'm, and you might be right. Maybe he's just hmm. Hmm. Oops, He's hammered. I don't know which. Better pricking my thumbs than than the opposite. Exactly. If you will. I hear you. 
And a North Carolina woman wants to keep, I don't say this word, uh, North Carolina is not allowing this woman to have her personalized license plate. It's a four-letter word for f- flatulence. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't say that word, so. I say, bless my soul. She wants that, or she had that on her custom license plate, but the North Carolina Division of the uh, Motor Vehicles Department says, no, you're not allowed to have that. Every state has its banned words, and they, they vary from state to state. I've got the list of the ones you can't have in North Carolina. It, it Was it just the four-letter word? Was that her license plate, or was it uh, semi-clever or something? I think it was just that word. Interestingly enough, the German verb for to drive is fahren, and uh, one of the forms of it is fart, F-A-H-R-T. Here's other words that are banned. Crap, assassin, bite me. Bomb, crunk, commie, devil man, drug man, dope, Ebola. You can't have a license plate. This Ebola. is Ebola because what would happen? Facebook, that F word. Gangsta, godless, hate Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have hate Duke on your license plate. Boo. Why? Hater, uh, Hellraiser, hit and run, hitman, I hate people. You can't have I hate people on your license plate. Wow, so fart gangsta is just completely out of the question. So far, your fart is your smartest. Oh my! That was a clip from many years ago in which I accidentally said the word. Um, okay, North Carolina Hilarious. dropping the hammer on their personalized license plates. Armstrong and Getty.